Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. G'day, my name's Emma and I am the founder of Pippin Girl. Do you have a teen girl in your life? Mamas, dads, sisters, aunties, teachers, counsellors, youth workers, we are talking to you. Pip and Girl is a platform and publication passionate about providing fair dinkum, wonderful resources to empower you and that bright young girl in your life as you navigate the beautiful, sometimes hairy, journey to womanhood. We cover anatomy, puberty, health, body image, relationships, but most of all encourage your girl to treasure and take care of that remarkable body of hers. Join us in creating a healthier world for the next generation of girls. Jump on our website www.pipandgirl.com.au to check out our cool, fun and pretty resources or follow us on Instagram to find out more about who we are. Have a good one, lovely, and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you? If you listened to my leadership podcast on Wednesday, you probably heard that my voice was a bit funny, so um, please forgive me if it's a bit raspy and funny again today. Like I said on Wednesday, I'm just embracing my inner Demi more. If you don't know who that is, go look it up. (laughs) Anyway, what are we looking at on the Parenthood podcast today? Um, I'm just stoked again. Someone messaged Cameron the other day to say that a whole heap of people from their church were listening to the Parenthood podcast. I'm so honored. Honestly, I really am. I'm just so glad that everyone is finding every topic so helpful. Um, I have literally got a thousand topics flying through my head of things that I want to talk about. I'm like parenting from zero to a 20 year old. There's a thousand gazillion things to talk about. Anyway, today I wanted to look at how to deal with tantrums in a little bit more detail um, because I was reminded this week, shout out Rhiannon, her and I were, um, had a bit of a, a Zoom chat this week. Um, and she said to me, Renee, you promised that at some stage you would talk about how to deal with the tantrum. So that's what I'm going to do. I hope I don't retell any stories. I've got so many stories to tell. Um, but I wanted to look at, you know, how, how do we deal with them? Does it matter? You know, isn't it just a part of development when our kids throw tantrums? And of course, they always seem to save it for when they're in public, right? So what do we do when they're in public as opposed to when we're at home? So much to say, but let me first say, I feel like I'm qualified to talk about this. I feel like I really know what I'm talking about because one of my three children who shall remain (laughs) nameless although I think most of you can work out which one it is, um, made it his life mission. There's a giveaway. It's one of the boys. But they made it their life mission to throw tantrums as often and embarrassingly as possible. So this son of mine, I kid you not, guys, he was born throwing a tantrum. I'm literally not lying. Let me entertain you with a few of my memories that have been burned into my psyche. <laughs> not good memories, by the way. That's not why they've been burned into my psyche. But um, anyway, this one was born by C-section. By the way, this one is turning 18 this week. Happy birthday. But I still remember the day that he was born. 
And when the doctor, my doctor was beautiful, Dr. Chris in Adelaide, when he, um, cause it was C-section. So when he pulled him out, he came out crying. Like he cried the second that he could breathe. He cried and he cried and he cried until they wrapped him up. And then he still kept crying. And finally, when they gave him to me, he calmed down. Anyway, little did I know, so began a four to five year battle. Now, in hospital, this is no word of a lie. The midwife tried to take him, tried to give me a break by taking him at nighttime because they knew that, you know, this was my second child and we'll give you a break and we'll take him out for a few hours. And in the morning, she wheeled him back in, in his little cute crib. And this is word for word what she said to me. She said, your son is a monster. He seems to grow two heads at nighttime. <laughs> I didn't know whether to be offended or highly disturbed that I had to take this son home. I'm like, why? And she said, he just cried the whole night and there was nothing wrong with him. Anyway, my obstetrician reassured me that, you know, just take him home. He'll calm down, Renee. You just need to take him home. Yeah, well, he was wrong. He didn't calm down for the next five years. So um, I feel like I'm very qualified to talk about this because now I have a six foot three, 18 year old boy who is, or man, I should say, who's just like a delight. He is a beautiful kid with a really beautiful heart. Can get moody occasionally. Um, He won't listen to this, so he'll never know I said it to you. Um, But all in all, he just is a beautiful kid. He's certainly not, um, not someone that throws tantrums anymore. He's not an aggressive kid at all. Now, there are plenty of programs out there telling us how to deal with all of these kinds of behaviors. And from these positive child-centered programs, uh, who usually, by the way, always reassure you that they know what they're doing because they're toddler experts or tantrum taming experts, you're going to hear all kinds of advice. And I follow a few on Instagram or I check them out on Instagram and you're going to hear things like, you know, you mustn't use punishment-based discipline because they're going to make your kid feel scared or bad, or you mustn't punish children for being human and adults have bad moods all the time and they don't get punished. So why should children and advice? Like if you put your kids in timeout when they're angry, then you're going to give them abandonment issues. So when I see these kinds of advice, I kind of, cause I don't want to like judge, maybe, I don't know, maybe you found those things to work, but I always ask myself, okay, person giving the advice, how old is your kid? <laughs> and usually the ones I've seen, they're, they've got young kids, they've got toddlers, but I'm like, I want to see the results of all of your expertise. Like, don't show me your five-year-old, show me your child where you've done these techniques And let me see what they're like as a teenager, like what they're really like behind your back. Let me see what kind of adult did they become. So often this advice comes from mums or experts with with young children. And then I look at all the alternatives, like what do they suggest we do with this child that's frothing at the mouth and going wild and throwing themselves on the floor in the middle of the supermarket aisle? Well, apparently it's all about protecting your child's self-esteem. 
Don't worry about your own dignity or embarrassment by that stage. You know, it's all about being calm and letting your calm be contagious and just ride the wave and then teach them later when they've calmed down and we can all access that part of their brain that you can reason with. And it all sounds so good. And maybe one of you out there listening has tried it and it's worked. And I mean worked in the long term. Like you you tried all these positive parenting techniques and now you've got this amazing adult. Like honestly, let me know. But I've also had a few mums tell me that they bought these courses, they didn't work, they returned them. And thank God for Girl Next Door. Thank you, Renee, for the things that you're teaching us because I've had real results pretty quickly. But I think I get what the problem is when it comes to all of this temper tantrums and and what we should do. Now, there probably are some really, really great courses out there. But what I found is with a lot of these courses, they're just all really complicated. Like they use all this psychological hoo-ha about self-esteem and not being able to access the inner regions of some mysterious part of the brain during a temper tantrum and on and on. And it's just all so complex. And, you know, we become so afraid of damaging our child and we shouldn't say this and we shouldn't do that. But I think what I wanted, the message I wanted to um, share with you today is it's actually not so complicated. I'm not saying it's not easy. Oh, I'm not saying it's easy. (laughs) It's not easy. It took a good four to five years, which felt like a lifetime to me at the time. But, you know, it's just not so complicated. If you just stick with a couple of really basic, simple things and you do them consistently, you don't have to worry about all this psychological stuff where you're damaging your child and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't say this and you can't say that. So I kind of just want to straighten it out for you today and encourage you and just let you know that if you're in the thick of the storm, um, that you've got a child who throws temper tantrums, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I am a very good example um, of that. And look, you might, you might have one child right now and they might be perfection. And you might be thinking, wow, I've just nailed this as a parent. That was me after having Georgia. I was like, oh, look, I'm just, I've just nailed this parenting thing. I'm just such a good parent. And then I had my second child and I'm like, okay, right. It's actually not to do with my parenting at the moment. These kids are coming with these personalities and this is where my parenting comes into play to be able to deal with the different personalities and discipline them and and train their moral heart accordingly. And that's what this whole temper tantrum thing is. It's all to do with, yet again, shaping and training your child's moral heart, which is why it's so important that we're intentional and that we don't just close our eyes and walk away and pretend it's not happening because we don't know what to do or we're intimidating by intimidated by the ferocity of their, their tantrum and we just can't get them to do what we want them to do. We can't be intimidated by that because it's our job as their parent to shape and train and disciple. That's what the word discipline means, disciple their moral heart. So there's a few reasons why children might engage in a temper tantrum or in a tantrum, and there are different kinds of tantrums. Um, But I don't want to overcomplicate it. But One of the reasons or the main reason that a child engages in such behaviors as a tantrum is because they have found that it works to achieve their immediate goal. Like if we stopped rewarding tantrums, they would soon stop, but they use them because they find that they work. So, um, or, you know, perhaps in my child's case, 
they are persistent enough to think that they can wear you down so eventually they will work. That's what I found because I never let him get away with it, but he was persistent for a very long time. And so he figured that he would wear me down. It was a it was a power struggle. It was a battle of the wheels. But every time that we give in to a tantrum, every single time we reinforce that that behavior works. So every time you give into a tantrum, one point for your child, one zero for you, if you get what I mean. So it's just human nature, right? To all want our way. We all want our way. And a part of the process of childhood is working out, well, what works to get my way? And again, this is why it's so important that we do the right thing and we train our children correctly now, because it's going to affect their future as an adult, including whether or not we allow these temper tantrums to continue. Our job is to encourage the positive tactics and discourage the negative ones because they're going to take these, both of these positive and negative into, into adulthood. Now I see this in church life, dealing with adults all the time. In fact, you don't even have to go far. You can just you can just watch people in any scenario. Go and watch some people, you know, in the shopping line, in the in the shopping aisle, and you'll see people that are used to getting their way a lot. But we had a person recently who told me that I needed to let her lead. Um, I needed needed to let her lead worship, or if I didn't, she was going to reconsider serving on the team at all. So obviously, um, you know, you can see that there's negative behavior here of, of threatening that, well, if I don't get my way, then I'm going to do, you know, such and such. Now, this must have worked for her whole life. Otherwise, she never would have tried it on me. So very few people must have told this person no, especially, and I would say especially with their, especially her parents. I would say growing up that this this person was very rarely told no by her parents. So now she thinks that this tactic will work wherever she goes. Of course, until she meets me, <laughs> because I'm like, how about no? How about that word? Uh, and so she left, and I'm like, I'm I'm like I'm fine with that because. You can't have you can't reward people's negative behavior patterns, but unfortunately, a lot of adults have had their negative behavior patterns reinforced over and over. And it's up to us when we have small children to teach them that these negative behavior patterns don't work. So, really, tantrums are also really another form of disobedience, and depending on the type of tantrum, they can be a form of rebellion. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of an age guide here. Now, this is just a guide, but most three to seven-year-olds should be out of this phase. Now, I'm giving that as a rough guide. My son probably didn't get out of that phase until he was four. But if you find that you are still dealing with temper tantrums in full force between the ages of three to seven, it's either because you have unintentionally allowed it or you have an extremely stubborn one like I did. Uh, And in which case you have to work really hard on breaking that stubbornness. 
So the propensity for throwing tantrums, by the way, it is a normal part of development. Most children will throw tantrums. I mean, Georgia never did. She just was honestly the the sweetest, um, you know, most kind of obedient, compliant child naturally. But, you know, most kids will throw temper tantrums as a part of their development. So don't be afraid of that. What we need to do is to teach our children that it's not wrong to express feelings, but it's how we express them that's important. So having emotions is normal. So it's it's important that we validate, you know, I understand that you are angry, I understand that you are sad, or I understand that you are scared. But how we express our behavior is learned. Sorry, how we express our feelings is learned. That's why I don't agree with a lot of the modern parenting techniques around this because they don't curb the how part. They understand that the feelings are natural and therefore they allow the the behavior. Whereas I'm more down the line of I understand the feelings are natural, but we need to train the moral heart behind the behavior. Now, there are different kinds of tantrums, kind of two main ones, one that's based more in actual rebellion and disobedience, and the other that's more out of pure frustration. So let's deal with temper tantrums, which are um, the kind that are more coming out of, you know, rebellion and disobedience. And these are the ones we probably see most of the time, but these tantrums are mostly triggered by one thing, which is disappointment. So it's really a coping mechanism for managing disappointment. And usually the disappointment is I didn't get my way. So here are a few things to help uh, when it comes to these kind of temper tantrums. And I've got a couple of stories coming up to help encourage you. So firstly, just take note of when and where these tantrums are happening, because it could help you to perhaps find an underlying key behind them, which could prevent the temper tantrum. For example, you know, um, is it often, you know, before a nap or straight after a nap? Some kids do wake up a bit uh, groggy and angry after a nap. Or is it happening, you know, before they eat because they're hungry? Or maybe after they eat, there could be an allergy, you know, or something that maybe too much sugar or a color, or there could be something like that. But I almost hesitate in saying that because I feel like when parents don't know what to do with a temper tantrum, they're really quick to blame it on something like, oh, they're just tired. Oh, they're just hungry. And that might be the case. But our job is to make sure they're not tired and that they eat something so that we don't, you know, you can't use that as an excuse for a temper tantrum. Try and deal with that issue before it escalates. This, by the way, is why children need day sleeps. I'm going to do a podcast on that. The number of parents I hear say, oh, my child just doesn't sleep in the day. Your child doesn't sleep in the day because you've allowed them not to. You've trained them not to. Um, And you're the parent and children actually need sleep. Otherwise, they will get grumpy and that's not fair on them. So that's my first thing with temper tantrums is just try and, you know, take note of when and where. The second thing, when it comes to a temper tantrum, they it, they really work better, the temper tantrums, if they have an audience. So what I did when it came to temper tantrums is I minimized the attention I gave my child. So I minimized talking. Don't try and talk them out of it, by the way. Ever tried to talk a kid out of a temper tantrum? Good luck with that. I never tried to talk them out of it, and I never rewarded it with attention or words. Now, this helped a friend of mine recently who inboxed me, and um, I think I shared this the other week, but she said to me, oh my gosh, Renee, 
my child, I'm spending like two hours a night getting my kid to get back into bed because they're training her to be in a big bed. And one of the keys I said was when she comes out, don't engage with her. Don't sit there. Don't talk to her. Don't go on and on about why aren't you sleeping and blah, blah, blah. Just minimize the conversation. Just say, um, grab her hand, don't give her eye contact, walk her back to bed and say, it's time for bed. Mummy wants you to stay here. I'd like to hear a yes, mummy, and just minimize the contact um, and the talking. And this mum said to me the next day, a couple of days later, oh my gosh, we're now down to 15 minutes. Amazing. Okay. So minimize the talking when they have a temper tantrum. Now, number three, this is the difference between if you're at home or if you're in public. If you're at home, um, this is where timeout comes in handy. So if my child threw a temper tantrum, I'd be like, well, that is unacceptable. Like, I understand you might be angry or you might be whatever, but this is unacceptable. So you are going into timeout, or it could be that you put them on a couch just until they've calmed down. Some people find that it works to actually physically put them on your lap and hold them tight until the struggle subsides. That never worked for me. You can try it if it works great. If not, um, put them in their room. Now, any child who destroys their room, by the way, between if, if they're between the ages of three to seven and they destroy their room because they're angry that you put them in there, you've actually got deeper issues to work with. If, you're just, if your child destroys their room, they're outwardly showing you contempt and showing your right to lead in their life. Um, they're, they're rebelling against that and that will have to be corrected over time. Um, and that's a whole other podcast, but definitely make sure that there's an immediate consequence for a temper tantrum that's at home, because the more you learn to deal with these at home, the less likely that you're going to have issues when you go out. But if you are in public, as I was many times, my child loved, he seemed to save them for being out in public. I would bend down to their level and give them two options. Remember the podcast I did about choices. So basically everything I'm telling you is deal, just deal with it immediately, deal with the temper tantrum immediately. But in public, I would bend down to their level and give them two options. I would say, right, you've either got the choice to stop and get up right now and come with me or and then you need to think of an immediate consequence, something, not not wait till you get home, not I'm going to take your toy when you get home, not you're going to go to bed early tonight. Like you can't have a consequence that's too many, too far away because children don't have a memory that, that that's that long. It's not a consequence to them if it's hours later. It has to be immediate. It could be that you pick them up and you leave, you, you leave the shop or you leave wherever you are. It could be that you take them away, um, you know, take them away from everyone's eyes that are watching and you go and discipline them in, in private. Whatever it is, there needs to be an immediate consequence. But either way, you just have to deal, deal with it immediately and make sure you do deal with it even if you're in public, even if you have a, a shopping trolley full of shopping. I have done that many times with my son. When I asked him to do something, he didn't. He threw a tanty in the middle of coals. I would pull the whole trolley over. And I used to say that to him. I used to say, mummy, will take you out. And I don't care if our shopping trolley is full. We will leave it here with the lady and I will take you out and you will be disciplined privately. And so they have to know that you're going to deal with it and you're going to follow through. So I remember a quick story because we kind of hit 20 minutes already, but Liam wanted to 
get out of his pram. I was at our local Westfield and I remember he never wanted to be in his pram. He always wanted to be out. And sometimes I would let him, but a lot of the time I just needed him to be in the pram. Anyway, on this particular occasion, I wouldn't let him. It was lunchtime and um, he was hungry. So I was in the line getting him KFC. Please don't judge me. Yes, KFC, probably not a good idea. He was very grumpy. Uh, He was whining and carrying on because he wanted to get out of the pram. He was very upset. I'd strapped him in. So this lady bent down to talk to him. Oh my gosh, mortifying moment. I kid you not, guys. He slapped her in the face. I've got no words. I'm still embarrassed to this day. 18 years later, 16 years later, I'm embarrassed to this day. And she looked at me like, what are you going to do about this? And I was so angry. I was almost just as angry at her for trying to appease him when I was trying to discipline him. I was mortified. I reversed the pram out of that KFC line so fast. The whole way, if you could have heard me, you would have thought I was a crazy woman. The whole way to my car, I was saying to him, that is it. You will never do that again. You are not getting KFC. In fact, you are not getting any lunch and you are going straight into the car. And when we get home, you're going straight into time out. And I did all of those things. He got no lunch. I put him straight in the car. I took him home. He had time out. It was mortifying. Um, his tantrums in public were almost uncontrollable. Um, I just remember just so many things. I remember driving with a van full of girls that I was taking up to see the Lobethal Christmas lights. And we had like a big seven or eight seater van or something. And I, I said, let's all go. And And this kid of mine screamed hysterically the whole way up and screamed hysterically the whole way back. I was so embarrassed. So I decided because he was throwing a lot of tantrums in public, I decided I had to work on this at home and I had to work on this um, by taking him out myself in public, but not, you know, like I wouldn't go on coffee dates or anything like that. And one of the ways I worked on him at home is I purposely delayed gratification all the time with him. In other words, I very rarely gave him what he wanted when he wanted it. And I did that on purpose because he lacked such self-control whenever he didn't, whenever he didn't get his way. So in order for me to deal with that, I had to make lots of opportunities where he wasn't getting his way. And some of you might be like, oh my gosh, brave mother. And I probably was looking back. I can't believe I did that to myself, but I had to because I had to train him. And I remember saying to myself, I'm the mum, I'm the boss. I'm the mum, I'm the boss. I'm going to win the war. I might feel like I'm losing the occasional battle, but I'm, I'm going to win the war. And so um, probably, look, I would say multiple times a day, he would throw tantrums, huge tantrums, because I wouldn't give him his way. You know, just the little things, even like, no, you're going to, this is what you're eating for lunch. And no, you're going to have the yellow plate today. I just, I was testing his character all the time with that because he would give me such a hard time when he didn't get his way. So what would I do and how would I deal with this? Well, I gave him plenty of verbal warnings about things, you know, about setting up those expectations. He was a kid that really needed to know what was coming and that helped me to minimize some of his tantrums like, okay, we're at the playground now, buddy, and you've got five minutes. And so I'd give him a five minute warning that we were going to go and then I'd give him a one minute warning and then I would be like, okay, now we're going to go. 
And whatever decision I made, I decided I was not going to be scared of his strength. I was not going to be intimidated by his temper and I was not going to be, um, I was not going to back down to his temper tantrum. And I would say to myself, I'm the mum, I'm the boss. And I would think to myself as his mother, what do I want him to do right now? And that really helped me. And it, it was simple things like right now, I want him to leave the playground and get into his pram. And I was determined that whatever it was that I wanted him to do as the mum, that I would continue to persist until he was obedient to that. And I was very firm and I would tell him very clearly, okay, so now it's time to get in the pram and I want to hear a yes, mummy. So it's all that first time obedience stuff that I taught you all at the start. And I was firm and it was immediate and it was first time. Often I would have to pick him up and put him in his pram. He would arch his back because he didn't want me to put him in it or strap him in. But I'm like, I've got to get a handle of this because remember what I said to you, I read that really great book that said, if I, as the mum, don't get a handle on the emotions and uh, establish my authority in my son before he's three, I will most likely have trouble with him when he's a teenager. So I would always think, What is it I want him to do? I'm the boss. I'm the mum. I'm going to persist until he does it. So there was lots and lots and lots of me telling him what I expected. There was lots and lots and lots of him not getting his way. There was a lot of um, disciplining and consequences. Um, You know, church was the worst. Sometimes I wondered why I even bothered to go because sometimes I felt like I spent more time out of the service than in. But again, I always thought to myself, I'm not going to accommodate your behavior by letting you get your way. What do I want? I want to be in church and I want my son to be in church. And so I persisted. And if he misbehaved or he threw a temper tantrum, out we would go for discipline and in back we would come again. Two minutes later, if he did it again, out we would go, discipline, back in again. It was persistence, persistence, persistence. So um, I've got more here, but I just don't have time because we've kind of already hit the half an hour mark, but I feel like this just is really helping someone right now. And look, even if you've got a child that only throws a temper tantrum every now and then, or, you know, not as regularly as this, it's still important that you deal with it. It's still really important that you are someone that uses, be a parent that uses that to disciple your child's moral heart, because you're setting them up for a really good Um, way of relating in their adult years. Um, But if you've got a child that's like, um, like our son, it's funny I always say my son, but our son, (laughs) I always say he was more like Cameron than me, hence that no, (laughs) kidding. Um, But Cameron and I persisted and I was exhausted sometimes. And to be honest, I used to do it in tears sometimes. I would be disciplining him and persisting. I think I told you the story of the time that I put him back in his cot 11 times because he kept getting out. And I'm like, no, it is your sleep time. And again, he was trying to get his way. And if you give in and you let your child get their way when they're two and three and four, you will have difficulty with them. You you have not established yourself. Remember the four phases of parenting from last week? You've not established that leadership part. And if you don't establish the leadership part when it comes to these temper tantrums, then you're going to have trouble training their heart. And if you have trouble training their heart, 
then you're going to, they, 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 when they become a teenager, they will not want you to be their coach and, and you're going to end up with, with trouble in that phase. So I really encourage you to take the leadership, take the authority and don't be intimidated and don't be afraid. And I, um, I've got your back. I hope this is an encouragement. And I know I, there were so many things that I said. Um, but again, like I always say, if, you have any questions or you're really struggling with a particular area with your child, come and hit me up on social media, um, on girlnextdoor.podcast on my, um, Instagram, um, because I'm more than happy to chat with you, but just persist, persist. And remember you're the mum, you're the dad, you're the boss, and it's for the greater benefit, the long-term benefit of your child and for you as a family, you've got this. I know that you can do it. So next temper tantrum, don't give up, don't give in. Okie doke. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for staying a bit of extra time today. I think that that was worth it for those of you that really needed it. And I uh, look forward to being back next Wednesday on Leadership Wednesday. I'll see you then. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.